Fear is coursing through long-term care homes in Canada as the country slips into the second wave of the pandemic. Will it be as fatal as the first wave? Hello and welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. During the first wave of COVID, about 8 in 10 deaths from the virus were in long-term care. In late spring, the federal government called in the military to help with homes dealing with outbreaks and staff shortages. And a scathing report on those conditions was submitted by the military on what was seen in particular in Ontario and Quebec. The province announced a bump up in pay for those workers who stayed in their jobs. And for many PSWs and staff, they are the lowest paid yet face the most danger. In Ontario, long-term care is broken into three different types, non-profit, municipally owned, and for-profit. And early numbers in the pandemic showed the for-profit homes saw more deaths than the other two. On top of that, there is little to no whistleblower protection for those workers, so they have to continue to work in unsafe conditions or take a chance on speaking up and being fired. And soon to be debated at Queen's Park, new legislation which would protect people and organizations from making an honest effort from legal action. Earlier this year, the provinces were presented with recommendations from the organization headed by Alan Cutler, whom, as a whistleblower, uncovered the sponsorship scandal. And Alan joins us now. And and Alan, your, your proposal to the provinces and, and feds, I, I read it. Was there any reaction? Uh, none. We, we sent a, we, we prepared a proposal, it was in May, and we used all our contacts as well as uh, media. By the way, the media didn't seem to react too much either, but we used our contacts to get it into the various hands. I know it got into the Prime Minister's office, um, and uh, Ontario and Alberta, we were working to get it into every provincial office about the need to have a provincial ombudsman or a neutral party and the protection of these whistleblowers is critical um, to the to the well-being of our uh, whole health and welfare system. Now, you talk about an ombudsman. Uh, how would that office be set up? How would that work? Well, if if it works, we have the provincial ombudsman in Ontario for a lot of various um, wrongdoings. But if they had the ombudsman's office set up as a neutral place to go, then anybody who has a whistleblowing problem, a problem with, um, and it could be a management of a, of a health care, it could be the way that people are treated. It goes on and on, obviously. It's, it's anything to deal with wrongdoing. And they would go to that, office which would have it wouldn't need many people and basically put a report in that this needs investigating and then that office would ensure an investigation takes place and publish the results publicly it seems at least in terms of long-term care in ontario you get different protection at least for the workers depending on where they work for non-profit uh the non-profit homes they have whistleblower protection but for profit there appears to be none uh actually you're right and you're wrong <laughs> there is <laughs> because essentially there's no protection even at the not for profits it's the not-for-profits work in a different culture environment that permits people to speak out, and that's part of being not-for-profit um, and, and, and that mm-hmm. type of culture. But they have no legal protection. They could be nailed within a not-for-profit just as much as they could be nailed within a for-profit. 
Hmm, interesting. How would you characterize whistleblower protection in Canada right now? <laughs> Nil. Right. <laughs> Dismal. Um, equivalent to a third world country. Uh, <laughs> not very strong at all. I mean, it, it's really sad when you look at whistleblower protection. And that's right across the country. Um, and that's federal as well as provincial and municipal. It, it just keeps going on. Uh, everybody nowadays says, yes, we want whistleblowers. We want them to come forward. We want them to tell us when things are wrong until they come forward. Exactly. Now, I, I think one yeah. thing that uh, perhaps politicians who seem to be a little reticent about this is it really isn't in, inexpensive for taxpayers because if you've got somebody blowing the whistle, then you're, you're not dealing with a very, you know, you're not, you're able to get that information out. You're able to, uh, uh, whether it be lay charges or whatever. That's right. And it's very, it's got to be the most inexpensive way of addressing wrongdoing in, in, in the economy, in the healthcare, in anything, because essentially they let you know what's going wrong. So price gouging doesn't work in a good whistleblowing environment. And the U.S. is a prime example of the amount of money that they they paid out well over a billion dollars to whistleblowers because they have that act. Mm -hmm. And their internal revenue, as a result, got over $12 billion of more taxes collected. Um, and this is just from one major whistleblower uh, that I happen to know. It just to show you that whistleblowers are are a tremendous value in terms of efficiency to the economy and making certain that we don't get gouged. You've all we've all heard stories about the U.S. Army or the Canadian Army paying extraordinary amounts for a screwdriver. Um, oh, yeah. Because they're buying from a selected source. Well, good whistle. And we we actually, I'll tell you, a few years back, we actually found a good case of this. And what happened was they suddenly pulled national security and everything went under the security blanket, and we couldn't get any more information out about it. Um, but it was definitely with national defense. It was definitely huge markups. Mm-hmm. Um, but we couldn't get the final definitive piece of proof because suddenly it was a national security issue. Alan Cutler is joining us on the Unpublished Cafe. He's president of the Anti-Corruption and Accountability Canada, as well as you would know him as the whistleblower for the sponsorship scandal. And, you know, I understand processes are also a hindrance to whistleblowers. How so? Well, in particular, because... The processes, the, the ones that are in place, state that you have to identify the problem to your employer. And in many, many cases, you identify the problem to your employer, but it's your employer who's doing doing the wrongdoing. So as soon as you identify it, you're, you're isolated, you're hamstrung, your job is basically finished, you're blacklisted. Um, I, I, I represent a number of those issues, by the way. Mm-hmm. But, but nevertheless, the point is, that, and I'm thinking now of the of the virus. 
it's essential. I mean, we're looking at the numbers going up and they're talking about how to prevent it. Well, public disclosure of where the problems are faster would be good. I mean, I hear, for example, we have to close the restaurants. And the next thing I hear is that they really haven't tied it to the restaurants. And I don't hear of anybody coming forward and saying, here's the proof. And that's mm-hmm. what we need. Are people who come in and say, here's where the problem is. And they know where the problem is. It's, it's with a number of people who just said, we don't care and we're going out and we don't care if anybody's infected. But those people, are, we need to encourage them, especially in the, um, the long-term care facilities. Mm-hmm. They, have to be, they have to be protected. They, they're trapped. Where are they going to go? They can't go out and around. Yeah, exactly. they, they're in that closed environment. And if the virus gets in, they're in trouble. So we've got to protect them. Alan, I, I want to thank you for joining us. <laughs> oh, anytime, Ed. I'm I'm quite happy, but I'm I. We've got to let get these people where they can speak out and let us know where the problems are, so we can fix them. Exactly. Alan Cutler is the president of Anti-Corruption and Accountability Canada, as well as the whistleblower in the sponsorship scandal. Now, with a lack of whistleblower protection for long-term work, long-term care workers, you wonder how these facilities could stay open. David Hutton's a senior fellow at the Center for Free Expression and the Whistleblowing Initiative at Ryerson University, and he joins us now. And David, you've said Canada has the international reputation of being the Titanic of whistleblower protection. How so? Well, it's a very well-deserved reputation, unfortunately, and very counter to what how most Canadians see our country. But if you look around the world, uh, 64 nations now have national laws to protect whistleblowers. And uh, one of our sister organizations in the, in the U.S. has been uh, conducting a survey of all of these, and it turns out that uh, Canada's is the worst alongside Moldova a country you may not have heard of, uh, because our our national laws meet none of the 20 criteria that would indicate that it's a, a useful functional law. So Canada is one of the worst places in the world to, to, to blow the whistle. There's just there's virtually no protection for anybody. What's that say about you know, respect for the, the worker or the employee? Well, it's a, it's a shameful situation, really. And as I say, we're completely out of line with most other countries. In fact, the European Union has recently, last year, passed a directive which requires every country, every member country to enact national whistleblower laws. And that's a very well-written directive. Those will be excellent laws when they come into force. Uh, in contrast, we've had a federal law in place for more than 13 years that hasn't protected anyone. Um, there was a five-year review scheduled, which did not take place. Uh, it was simply ignored. And so that review of the law didn't take place till 10 years after it was um, it came into force. Uh, that, w- that work was done by a parliamentary committee, which wrote a unanimous report calling for sweeping changes to the law, and that law has simply that um, that report has simply been ignored. So it's not a, a partisan ma- matter. Uh, successive governments have left the situation the way it is, knowing that our whistleblowing laws simply don't work. 
Now, uh, you know, and part of the, I guess, whatever we have for whistleblower law, uh, Section 425 of the Criminal Code, which came in in uh, 2004, which is to, to, to punish employers who obviously, you know, take revenge or retribution on whistleblowers. Has it ever been used? Uh, we, we're not aware of any situation that that law has been used. And, you know, this is typical where uh, when there's a discussion on the subject, you'll often hear about what's written on paper, and that's an example, you know, the criminal mm-hmm. code. And that'll be cited as, oh, here we've got whistleblower protection. And you'll, you'll hear the same for uh, most of the provinces. Oh, there's whistleblower protection. But when you look at what's written on paper, it's usually, well, pretty much useless and, uh, you know, simply a bit of theatre to uh, be able to check the box and say that we're doing something. In the case of the criminal code, you know, I hear this quoted all the time, but there's two very serious problems with that. Number one is that um, because it's in the criminal code, the standard of proof is very high, which means you have to prove, you'd have to prove reprisals uh, 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 um, uh, with no reasonable doubt. And that, that just can't be done. Uh, even under civil law, it's very hard to prove reprisals. So there are challenges in, in, in protecting whistleblowers under the law, and the criminal code simply doesn't cut it. You know, I, I wonder if, if workers aren't whistleblowing, you know, by, you know, they see something that is wrong, but obviously for fear they, they don't say anything. But by not saying anything, is that not obstruction of justice? Um, I wouldn't blame people who don't speak up because they're in a terrible situation. And in fact, um, many, many people do speak up and we simply don't hear about it because they're silenced and they're crushed. And that's a typical pattern. Um, Many people come forward because it's simply not in their DNA to do anything else. You know, they see wrongdoing going on that's hurting other people. In the case of long-term care homes, we're talking about thousands of lives being lost across the country because of inadequate protection for both the caregivers and the patients. And um, so some people, uh, their professional ethics, their own moral code, they will feel compelled to try and do something about that, and they'll come forward and they'll speak out. And they simply lose their jobs, and the organizations cover it up. And, uh, you know, there's inquiries going on now into what happened during the the COVID uh, pandemic, especially in the long-term care homes. And we're probably not going to hear the full truth from those because, uh, again, people who testify to those inquiries uh, are not protected and they're going to suffer reprisals. So very few people are going to be prepared to come forward and and tell the truth about what really happened. David Hutton is joining us on the Unpublished Cafe. He's Senior Fellow at the Center for Free Expression Whistleblowing Initiative of Ryerson University. And David, a robust whistle, whistleblower protection, it reflects ethics, does it not? Oh, absolutely. And it, sh- it should never be a crime to report a crime. Uh, you know, that's a sort of basic idea. And yet in Canada, whistleblowing is criminalized in all kinds of ways. And therefore, employers can come after a whistleblower um, by accusing them of violating their duty of loyalty, uh, of uh, stealing uh, information that's confidential. You know, the list just goes on and on. And um, so 
it's it's really it's really outrageous that in a country that has such a positive self-image, we think we're the good guys, that we should have such um, uh, a really Kafka-esque uh, kind of 1984 system of silencing employees. Can you take us through the whistleblowing process? Is it a long, drawn-out one? Well, for tip, typically, um, it's a life-changing experience for the whistleblower, uh, and, and uh, they, they don't really realize what they're getting into usually because most people, especially Canadians, we're trained to believe that the government's on our side and that we're a well-managed and well-governed country. Uh, people come forward thinking there may be some risk, but you know I'm telling the truth here, and this is an important matter. So if I just um, get it to the right person, then we'll seize some action and the wrongdoing will be resolved. But what actually happens is that they're just strung along and they're identified as troublemakers and things start to go wrong with them in their jobs. They find they're being accused of all sorts of things that they've done wrong falsely. Um, they're squeezed out of their jobs usually. The employer's aim is to render them unemployable in their profession, so they'll try and get them blacklisted. Um, they'll often end up in the court system or before a tribunal or something like that and uh, find themselves um, in a situation where the law and the courts and the tribunals are stacked against them and they're having huge legal expenses to try and um, cover their costs. So, uh, you know, imagine the strain of this, uh, the, the mental strain, the isolation, colleagues being terrified to even be seen with them. Um, it's a it's a very mentally draining situation, and on top of that, you have the loss of the job, the loss of income. Um, very often, the families will break up under the strain because the spouses and children don't understand what's going on. They may even doubt that their uh, their um, partner is uh, is doing the right thing because everyone else is calling them a liar, and. Um, so it's really a tragic outcome. David, I, w I want to thank you for joining us. Yeah, well, thank you, and thank you for raising the subject. It's a very important one. David Hutton's a senior fellow at the Center for Free Expression Whistleblowing Initiative of Ryerson University. And that leads to our unpublished .vote question. Should all employees of long-term care in Canada have whistleblower protection? Yes, no, or unsure. You can log on and vote right now at unpublished.vote and have your voice heard. I want to thank Alan Cutler, President of Anti-Corruption and Accountability Canada, and David Hutton, Senior Fellow at the Center for Free Expression Whistleblowing Initiative of Ryerson University. And I want to thank you for listening to the Unpublished Cafe. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.